Hey everyone, big news. Up Next in Commerce is now available for sponsorship. If you love this show and you, or maybe your company, or someone in your network that you know may want to reach an audience of supremely smart e-commerce leaders, then reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org and I'll give you all the juicy details around what our strategic partnerships look like. Email me at stephanie at mission.org and let's chat. Welcome to Up Next in Commerce, the show that takes you to the front lines of what's happening in digital, retail, and beyond with conversations from fast-growing startups to the Fortune 500 and everything in between. You'll get a glimpse into what's next. I'm your host, Stephanie Postles, the co-founder and CEO of mission.org. And I'll be your guide through all the trends, innovations, and hot topics in the world of commerce. Retail is not dead. In fact, all signs are showing that retail is actually on the rise. But the retail experience isn't gonna be what it has always been in the past. The world of retail is evolving and brands of all kinds are trying to find the best ways to give their customers what they want and need across all channels, including in stores. Angie Solanke, the National Retail Director for the USA at Collier's, has an inside look at what that next evolution of retail will look like. And she shared her insights and data on this episode of Up Next in Commerce. What are business leaders thinking about when they aren't winning a business? Family, travel, the latest TV show? Yes, yes, and maybe. But how about quirky business opportunities or little discussed financial trends or maybe even plant medicine benefits and alternative wellness? Mission Daily is back, baby, and our flagship podcast is better than ever. Mission Daily is the podcast for the business builder, the thoughtful marketer, the team manager, the blue-collar worker looking for new ways to think about life, finances, and health. This is for the people who want to break the status quo and laugh a little or a lot along the way. Join me, Stephanie Postles, and my co-host, Albert Chow, as we address the subjects, thoughts, and trends that business leaders think about but don't often talk about. Tune into Mission Daily wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you there. Today, I'm so excited to dive into the world of retail. I'm here with Angie. Angie, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So I know I called you this, you know, before that I consider you an OG in the world of retail. You've been working in it for, I think you said 31 years, which is very impressive. You are the person I'm going to ask all my questions to. So it's going to be a good chat. Earlier, we talked about travel. You mentioned before we started recording, travel was what kind of brought many pivotal moments into your career. And I wanted you to tell me why and what was maybe one of the most craziest travel experiences that you remember. So travel is really important to me personally and something I want really want to share with others. I have learned so much. So I was very fortunate. My dad, retired pilot, worked for the airlines. And so he had that in his DNA and apparently it kind of made its way down. So um, I started to travel at the age of six. And what I really enjoyed is I developed such great memories, fond memories, memories of getting to know people, meeting other people, kids, of course, at that time, and just playing outside and and how natural and how exciting that was because it was different. I was in another country meeting other people. We had language barriers, but yet we still connected and we formed friendships. And that still lives with me today because I really look at, you know, 
those early kind of stages or phases in life as learning lessons. So when I'm, you know, out traveling and going to countries, I don't really look at, oh, is this going to be a challenge in terms of how am I going to get from point A to B or any of those things? I really kind of just let loose and just go and explore. And my favorite thing to do is explore cities spontaneously with no agenda, um, you know, not looking for where are the tourists hanging out or where is the best Instagram uh, location, more just kind of walking from eight in the morning until 10 at night, exploring the streets, the cities, the people and sitting down and having a conversation. So it's a huge passion. It's a constant passion. And so with that, um, I would say the, I wouldn't say it's the craziest, but it's definitely the most memorable for me was a trip to Antarctica. And um, the two or three things that really come to mind is when we had to take, we, we actually took a very small 100 person, call it boat vessel. <laughs> and as we were going from um, Ushuaia, which is in South America, I should say, um, and traveling down to Antarctica, you have to go through this passage. And this passage is really where the Atlantic and the Pacific meet. It's very violent. Oh, yeah. And I've seen videos. it reminded me of these, you know, those movies, right? The movies you watch and you're like, this is actually happening. And we were sitting, <laughs> having our dinner. And all of a sudden, I picked up my, my fork and, and my um, knife and the entire table just whooshed, disappeared right below us. And I was like, oh my gosh. And it was because this massive like movement in body of water just started to, to move us back and forth. And of course, we all had to go back into our, our rooms. But that moment, that experience and that laughter and that fear, all of the emotions that you get just all happened at once. And it was just it was actually exhilarating. Uh, <laughs> oh, you're that kind of person. Like semi-dangerous things happen and you're yeah, like, oh, I was like, let's fun. go. <laughs> it was like the, the roller coaster ride, the A ticket. And it was just so amazing. The other part of that experience was waking up and just seeing the natural beauty that our world has to offer and how sometimes we need to be humbled by that um, because it's just a gorgeous, I mean, we, we are so fortunate that we live where we live. This planet is just phenomenal in terms of what it offers. And so um, waking up to that natural beauty and then having the experience to actually land on ice. Um, it was kind of like this kind of isolated ice um, iceberg experience where we actually landed on the ice and we were standing there and you're seeing these penguins just walk right by you marching in an orderly fashion, you know, stopping at moments, just looking up at you like, oh, okay. I'm not sure what you are, but you're not a predator. So, and they keep marching along. And it's just, it's, I think, again, it goes back to the beauty of nature in terms of when there isn't a threat, then there's this openness. And I think that to me is something I learned and that I actually use in my, you know, kind of day-to-day practice of just being and being present. Oh, I love that. So when thinking about all of your travels, I mean, I'm guessing that that has a beneficial impact when it comes to your day-to-day at work as well. I mean, to me, that's the best way to stay innovative, to see the trends that are happening is to be out in the world and be able to see how people are experimenting. And for you, especially in the world of retail, are there ever times when you're out and about and you're kind of like bring that back into your day-to-day job? Oh, definitely. Um, 
it's funny because my partner always says, he says to me, oh, are you going to go out and do kind of your secret shopping today? And I said, yes, I am. So we actually, I go off on my own. But yes, definitely. I think there's so much to understand and learn and why certain retailers or brands are creating a, um, you know, their own differentiator. I actually learn quite a bit when I travel and I go to more of the small business owners and what they're doing and how they're, you know, uh, developing, you know, that experience in their store. So a great example of this is I was actually in San Miguel. And um, when I was down in San Miguel in Mexico, there was this beautiful architecturally designed uh, building and it caught my eye and I didn't realize it was actually they had you walked in and, and you would be greeted with this, you know, beautiful artisanal coffee. And then from there, you would flow into the next room. And in that room, you were greeted by the designer who was designing these wonderful leather, um, you know, covered books. It's actually more of a cover for books or diaries. And um, and then you'd move into the next room. And as you're weaving and wandering which is what I was doing, I was wandering. Um, it wasn't linear, you know, it wasn't aisles and aisles of product with the little sticker of how much it is, et cetera. Um, it was, I was wandering. Yeah, everything was meandering. Um, I went from room to room to room and I ultimately got to this beautiful uh, space that was a courtyard um, opened up to the sky and it was a restaurant and just filled with plants and, and just, I mean, again, just a lot of gorgeous decorative things that made you want to stop and just take it all in. And when I realized it was a restaurant, I immediately said, oh, do you have a table? Can I sit down? I'd love to grab lunch and just talk a little bit about, you know, how you're doing here in this space. You know, who created this? You know, who was the designer? What was the philosophy and the vision behind it? So, wow. yes, love retail. <laughs> okay. So before I dive deeper into all of these stories, because these are super fascinating, I want to back up a bit and hear about, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, what is Collier's? And then what does your day-to-day job look like there? And then I'm going to get back to the stories. Great. Okay. Sounds wonderful. Well, um, as you may know, Collier's is a global organization. And so we have offices scattered around the world, very focused on, you know, core disciplines as it relates to our brokerage services, as well as uh, property management or real estate management services, valuation, occupier or corporate solutions. And so what does all that mean is really we are here as commercial real estate advisors as it relates to industrial, healthcare, retail, office, et cetera. Um, And then within that, we have our practice groups. And so we're here to help our clients um, from the opportunity of identifying an acquisition to help managing that project and asset to leasing, to project management um, when new tenants are coming in or redevelopment opportunities, and then to the sales cycle when it gets, um, and hopefully we can repeat that cycle um, over and over again. So it's really the journey of that asset and that uh, hold sell strategy for that client. Got it. Okay. So what is the current state of retail today? Because we know it's been, you know, a bumpy road the past couple of years, of course, and everyone has had varying opinions of, you know, I think a year ago, I remember people being like, retail's dead, it's not coming back. And then of course, now you look and I think I see more store openings 
than you know prior to 2020 and it seems like things are going great but definitely a reimagined state of retail most likely mm-hmm. so what would you say the state of retail is today you know it's um it's really interesting because i get many people actually as we you know more, more people are coming back to the office which by the way i've been in my office since may of last year which i love but uh, as more and more people are coming back into the offices that's actually the first question they ask when you hear about retail People talk about, you know, the the challenges, the barriers, et cetera. But look, the lockdown affected everyone. When we're locked in and it was so drastic and so instant, um, you know, the lockdown here in the U.S., it was an immediate reaction of, oh, my goodness, we haven't been in this situation before. What do we do? In that moment, it was really important for us to do a couple of things. One from a retail perspective, what we really did is we said, okay, we need to take a pause. We need to make sure that we bring, you know, all of our colleagues, all of our professionals together to to ensure that we have the ability to talk through this, right? There has to be this connection point. Um, And also to, you know, say, hey, we're going to be out there, you know, soliciting feedback, getting information, gathering information, because we're in this really kind of unknown territory. A couple of things that we did is we went and we said, okay, China's going through this and they're kind of coming coming out of it. What lessons have they learned through this process? And what can we do to share this back to our internal uh, colleagues and professionals, but also our clients? And so one of the things that we actually did is we hosted um, a, a webinar series to talk through the challenges retailers were going through. So whether you're a retailer, a QSR or a quick service restaurant um, or a full service restaurant, a grocery store, what are some of the things that they're experiencing? And let's hear from them and the experts in those spaces. We also pulled in our retail team from China and asked them to provide us with their sound bites of what worked, what didn't work. And what were some of the solutions around it? Because ultimately we can sit and we can contemplate, you know, these are issues and these are challenges, but ultimately we need to start figuring out what are those solutions if we're looking to get out of what we saw in 2020, which were store closures. I should be very clear, it's not store closure, permanent store closures, but closures that occurred that impacted sales, that impacted employees that impacted the labor force, um, et cetera, et cetera. And so what we did is we we really wanted to understand the solution side of it so we could start to evaluate and be proactive in how we were going to advise our clients. So um, just to fast forward really quickly from that point, and that is retail is actually thriving. Now, I want to put the macroeconomics off to the side for a moment because they're fresh, they're new, they're happening real time. But I would like to place a little bit of you know attention towards the success of retail because I think that is critical. So I'm just going to throw out a few stats if, if that's yeah, fine. Yeah, go for it. I love a good stat. Uh, so a couple of things I do want to share. Um, we did see foot traffic of stores jump by 48% from 2020. Now, if you compare that to 2019, which is, you know, when we started really peak, economy was great, people were doing wonderful uh, spending money, et cetera, uh, and traveling, um, that was only a difference of 28%. So we were down by 28% since 2019. So foot traffic, you know, is constantly moving up and, and we're starting to see some other components to that, which I'll share 
here in a moment in terms of how that is really shifting. People want to be back. They want to be out. They want to socialize. They want to grab, you know, dinner and those moments and those special experiences with their family and friends. So I don't see that slowing down. Um, yes, the various variants of COVID are coming um, into play, but people are saying, look, we're tired of being locked up. We want to, you know, um, go and, and, and hang out with our, our friends that we haven't seen. So we're definitely seeing that pick up. I mean, I've traveled now quite a bit over the last six months. And I have to say in the last four, four to five months, every flight domestic um, has been full and most flights international have been mm-hmm. full as well. Same. Yeah, I've seen the same thing. Yeah, would you agree? So um, the other thing I want to just throw out there too is uh, when we look at retail sales, the retail sales year over year have, has actually gone up by close to 19%. And I think that's really important to, to highlight because you can slice and dice sales in different categories, but overall, in not including you know auto, sales have steadily increased. And I think it's important because when people ask, well, why are sales increasing, Angie? I mean, we have to stop and take a pause and think about the population base. We're definitely seeing also an increase in our population base. We're also seeing an increase of this transfer of people from different companies to the U.S. or out of the U.S. And that transfer is also a transfer of how people are spending. So um, you're going to see a higher concentration of spend in certain classifications and goods. And so I think that's really critical. And then the last thing to note, one thing I always um, share here in the U.S., we have been over retail for a very long time. You know, this isn't in the last 10 years. We're talking last 20 years. So for every person, there's roughly 23 square feet per person of retail. And if you compare that to our European countries, they're closer to, you know, seven square feet. So big difference. So there had to be this, what I call resetting of our footprint within retail, which is not a bad thing. I think it's a good thing. And so we have seen store closures with a lot of the, you know, call it national brands. But what that has allowed us to to see is that we are now at a place where store openings have actually outpaced store closings since 2014. Yeah. And these are newer stores though that are opening, not the brands that close and reopening again. Actually a combination. So I would say certain brands that have closed are reopening, but they're being much more efficient in where and how they're opening and why they're opening. So it's a combination of the two. There's a stereotype of the average American worker whose life goes something like this. Go to work, come home, consume some kind of entertainment, go to sleep, lather, rinse, repeat. If you're listening to this ad, then I know that that life does not resonate with you. For the truly disruptive business leader, work doesn't stay at the office, and unwinding doesn't mean watching TV at night every single night. This is why we've created Mission Daily, a podcast that discusses the trends, habits, and ideas that thoughtful business people are contemplating every day. From quirky business opportunities to interesting investment ideas to the latest research in health and exercise, and alternative medicine, and maybe even plant medicine. Who knows where we're going to go, but Mission Daily covers it all. We're releasing new episodes every weekday. So join me, Stephanie Postles, and my co-host, Albert Chow, as we discuss the subjects, thoughts, and trends that business leaders think about, but don't talk about. 
publicly, that is. Break the status quo. Tune into Mission Daily wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you there. I mean, that makes sense when you think about, you know, the world of retail every 20 years or so, it has to, you know, completely change and mm-hmm. reinvent itself. What do you think now going forward is like a successful strategy when thinking about retail stores and, you know, opening a location? I have tons of, you know, guests who come on the show who say, you know, retail actually is a huge opportunity. It's a great way to, you know, have a better interaction with your customer and get first party data that maybe is harder to do online now. But thinking about what does that model look like? That is not just, you know, how it looked maybe in 2019, because I don't think many people like expectations are different now and consumers are going to want things to be a lot more efficient than they used to be a couple of years ago. What have you seen or what do you think, you know, the future of retail should look like? Yeah, you know, it's um, it's a great question because uh, you're seeing this combination of so many different channels merging together, right? It's this integrated approach. And if you really stop and think about what does omni-channel really mean? It's a big fancy word. Ultimately, if you can stop and go, okay, what does the shopper want? The shopper's looking for multiple channels to, to buy from. So online, curbside pickup, on-demand delivery, in-store shopping, now metaverse, et cetera. But ultimately what they're looking for is um, multiple channels because the multiple channels assists or helps them with from a convenience factor. Right. So they want convenience. The shopper wants the ability to buy immediately, which with supply chain right now can be a challenge. <laughs> um, but they want, um, you know, that continued immediate. They also want the ability to evaluate what they're buying, right? To understand the quality behind it, to understand possibly even the um, best practices behind that brand or product um, in terms of sustainability or their, their kind of goals around that. So the shopper is really who's defining how we're creating um, a lot of the retail channels and nodes. And so when I think about retail, where retail is going, it's, it's very fascinating to me because it really needs to check a lot of these boxes. And there are a handful of retailers that have actually put capital, invested capital, you know, many, many years ago, we're talking 15 years ago, as it relates to online shopping and buying habits and taking that data over time and now being able to really optimize that data into their retail stores. And so a great example for, uh, of that is now if you're walking to go do some mass merchandising type shopping, the minute you pull into the parking lot, you'll actually get pinged on your phone saying, um, oh, hey, we have this, this special today on a particular product. Well, that product is something that you may not have thought about buying, right? It could be, I'm just going to make this up. It's a certain type of soda that's, you know, that they're marketing. And you're just really going there to get milk. Well, now that you see it, there's a higher probability that you're going to actually buy that product because it's limited offer, it's on sale or what have you. And you're going to go in and, and when you make that, that second purchase that you weren't expecting to make, that just creates a better margin ultimately for that retailer. So retailers really need to look at this because it, you know, they're constantly being squeezed in terms of margins. That cost continues to go up. So the cost of doing business online is continuing to go up because of getting the item shipped 
the different points of shipment, the different points of return, the service around that. Same with stores. You know, you have cost of labor, et cetera, and then you have the supply chain costs. And so all of these costs, yes, they're impacting retail, but they're also impacting the consumer. Mm -hmm. So it seems like, I mean, when I see the moves right now that some retailers that I'm interacting with are making, they seem like they're pretty small, like small incremental improvements. And Mm -hmm. when I'm interacting with that, sometimes I think, is there a space for this more like a platform to come in to solve many problems at once? Because if you think about it, a consumer might come in and they, you know, might see, oh, here's a discount code for whatever it might be, this makeup item. But from my side, I'm thinking, okay, well, then I need to see what does this cost elsewhere? And of course, that store is not going to show me that. And then I need to see discount codes elsewhere. And maybe if there's any other loyalty programs I can get in, like there's so many data points that I think we're expecting now as a consumer when we go into a retail location, that it seems like the retailers alone won't be able to probably solve that problem because they're just offering, you know, the push notifications and things where it's like, well, that's not kind of helpful, but not really when you have expectations of what you're able to do online really, really quickly to then getting back to that mm-hmm. like one-to-one relationship. Do you agree with that? or it's, it's, um, it's, it's a challenge. I mean, there's no doubt about it. It's a very challenging environment, whether it's retail or not, right? It's, it's almost kind of like the whole coming back to work, <laughs> you know, or some people are saying, I want to work remotely versus coming into the office. But, you know, it's so important to have that brand or customer loyalty, I should say. And to your point, you know, I always say this, that in the past, you had such strong customer loyalty programs and VIP programs and events, et cetera. It's lost a little bit of that luster. Um, I think it's faded because the buyers become a little somewhat fickle. And to your point, I think it's because there's so many channels to shop from. Um, uh, You know, you get inundated by you know, if you're on Pinterest, you know, now you're, you, Pinterest is sending you, Facebook is sending you, then you're going to go and shop it on Amazon. There's so much information out there. It's information overload. That's why I feel that retailers, I mean, I feel for them. I really do because they have to take all of that data and technology and then wrap that into how do you run a, you know, um, a highly optimized and efficient store, and then all the other components to it with, you know, like I said, curbside and, and delivery. Um, and these are these are not small tasks. You know, when you ask the question, well, who does this well? For a moment, when I when I think about small businesses, think about, you know, the challenge that they have gone through, you know, it was really difficult for them because they actually, when lockdown occurred, we were going, oh my goodness, you know, a lot of our landlords were very concerned with what will happen to these really successful small business operators that we have. Yes, we can help them as it relates to their leases um, with some, some minor concessions, but what's the longevity? And I actually thought that was a really important time for us to stop again and go, what's the solution? And I'll, I'll share why, because immediately we were like, we don't want to lose these, these brands. These are great small boutiques that make this shopping center or this project unique. Um, yes, we have, you know, the other national brands there, but people want to come into a project and, and go into a store and say, hey, you know, Michelle, how are you? 
what are you doing? It goes back to that personal one-on-one touch. It was important for us to figure out like, how do we keep them? How do we bring them back? That's not a financial concession, but kind of gives them an opportunity to take their business beyond that storefront. Um, and that's where we actually started to partner with Shopify. And with Shopify, we said, okay, how can we take these small businesses and boutiques and provide them with the expertise of having a online shop plus a brick and mortar? So they have a, a various sales channels to grow their business. And we had a handful of people say, hey, I'm ready. I, I need that help because we were closed. And I, ha- I had nowhere to take to, to place my inventory. So, and I don't, I have no desire to discount my inventory, you know, by eighty percent. So those that jumped in to say, I'm scared because I've never done this before, but to have a partner who has, and a company like ours to help kind of bridge that gap, that was the solution that we really brought forth, and we were quite proud of. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I mean, e-commerce definitely now looking back, it's like, oh yeah, that's a great solution when everything is happening the way it is. But when thinking about, you know, these companies you work with, these partners, I mean, what's the most innovative retail transformation you've seen or what are maybe some of your customers doing that you're like, oh, wow, that's actually thinking outside the box. Because I mean, the best stories that I'm reading about right now are always the ones who are reinventing themselves completely and not just, you know, making the marginal improvements, but they're saying, okay, if I were to do this all over again, I think it's like there was an example about Bell Labs in like the 1950s where the VP came in and said, hey, pretend, you know, this phone that we invented is now dead and it doesn't work. How would you all do this from scratch? And then they came up with like voicemail and conference rooms and mobile phones and all these things because they pretended that, you know, what they had up until then that they had created was now gone forever. And so that's like the stories that I've been looking for now when it comes to retail, like how are people thinking differently? And I would love it if you have any, you know, examples about companies that you're working with or partners who are kind of thinking very outside the box other than, you know, moving to e-commerce, which yes, that's a great thing to do, of course, but like really reimagining the world of retail. Yeah. You know, um, so I haven't, uh, been to this one yet. Um, cause I haven't been to New York yet. Uh, But in New York, um, it's my understanding that Taco Bell actually down in Times Square. Have you been to that one yet? So we had Taco Bell on the show and I might know what you're about to say, but I still want to hear it. Okay, yeah, sure. Um, And so, uh, you know, we were talking actually to uh, one of their peers and they were so jazzed around it. Right. Which was this whole experience of, of ordering it from more of a technology kind of platform or play. And so from their perspective, they just thought it was really cool. Now, again, I haven't been in there. So my goal is to go check it out um, and see that. But kind of staying on that line, of course, you know, um, the last place I went to, which was, I think, two months ago, was the Amazon, um, you know, their actual large footprint grocery store. And I actually went in there more so just looking around and watching how people were experiencing the store. Because when you walk in, it has a lot of uh, resemblance to, you know, a Whole Foods experience in store. And so when I was there, I was kind of watching just the ease, right? People are just going, they're picking up things or putting it in. And then they're getting to the end zone there, if you want to call it. And then they got stuck a little bit. They got a little stuck. And I was like, oh, no, 
I'm actually seeing cards stack up. That's not the intent of this. I know the intent is to just kind of have this like, boom, you picked everything, it shows up on your phone and then you're out the door. I think we're all still going through this learning phase. And so I can see why you're seeing incremental improvements because there's there's still a lot of learning, learning from the person that's actually shopping and trying to understand what it is to getting through the start to finish of that experience. I know we will get there. I don't, you know, from a timing standpoint, I think we're still in that early phase. To answer that question, there isn't anything that really like jumps out at me at this point because it hasn't been so innovative. Now, what I have seen, and this is I'm speaking, you know, more so here in in the U.S., I've definitely seen a lot of vision boards uh, about things that people would like to do, a tremendous amount. And I think that is fantastic. So if we could really hit the nail or the target on testing this and then getting it as close to right as possible so that overall customer experience is really good and memorable, then I, I you will definitely start seeing these roll out much more. But don't forget, it's also expensive at, at the same time. And so what I mean by that is when I look at these vision boards that a lot of these retailers are putting together and or developers that are looking to cluster these more innovative experiences of retail, it's fascinating to see what they're creating. And some of the things that I, I've seen is definitely more showrooms where you're walking in and it's like, wow, you, all of your senses are just you know, it's over the top from, you know, sight, smell, sound, you know, taste, touch, all of those things. And the people that are going to be presenting the product to you, it's going to be much more of a presentation. Uh, so the buy-in occurs quite quickly. You know, you're like you said, you're seeing it in, you know, these little incremental um, kind of bubbles, but we're not there yet. We're definitely not there. I mean, you know, ringing the bell at the Tesla, you know, store in the mall because someone just signed up to buy a Tesla and put a, I forget, was it a, I forget now, if it's a hundred or a thousand dollars. I can't remember. hundred dollar down. Yeah. You know, and everyone's clapping. It's, it's great. It's cute. But, um, you know, the vision boards that I've been seeing, it's a very kind of more immersive experience as well. So what's maybe the most interesting vision board you've seen? Like what, how are they making it so immersive or what are they doing? Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure um, if I can share uh, the actual experience, but think of it as gaming meets retail meets collaboration. Got it. It's the best way because okay. what's happening is if you were to go to, you know, your friend's house and they're like, hey, we're going to just like throw up on the screen, you know, um, I'm from the era of Pac-Man <laughs> so, um, or, or Centipede. And we're going to play a game of Centipede. And I'm like, yeah, let's play a game of Centipede. And as you're playing the game of Centipede, you're sharing with your friend or your friends, right? You're eating, you're drinking, you're talking, but you're going to say, wow, wouldn't it be cool if they did this or if they did that? And I think what this will act as is a collaboration space for those uh, retailers to collect information. And when they collect information, they're getting real-time information of what the consumer really wants. And hopefully they're taking really strong notes and taking that back to the developers to kind of redevelop, reinvent. 
And so that one thing I mentioned earlier is, you know, the one thing constant in retail is change in, in retail reinventing itself. That's where you're going to get this collaboration and input. Yeah, I saw a very interesting article about it was a, I mean, it all, of course, depends on industry. So they just, this just works for more commoditized industries. But there was a grocery store and they had um, a store in somewhere in Asia uh-huh. and they were noticing that the shoppers weren't really going anymore. I guess they didn't have enough time and, you know, whatever was happening, they wanted to look into it and change it up a bit. And so instead they took over a whole subway and they put pictures of the items that they had in their grocery store all along the wall of the uh-huh. subway train And then people could just scan their phone and start checking out with things that they needed and it would be delivered in two hours. And that to me, I was like, oh, genius. No one really wants to go into a grocery store, but it is helpful to be reminded, you know, of the aisles to be able to be like, oh yeah, I do actually need that. Or that's a good reminder. I'll just shop for that now. And I love reading stories about that that just show very different ways of thinking and Mm -hmm. putting retail in different locations and kind of seeing what comes from it. Yeah, you know, there has to be that adoption rate as well, right? So when you think about Asia and their use of the digital wallet, their smart um, devices, et cetera, they're so advanced. You know, the one thing they they were sharing when we had our, our webinar, the WeChat and how um, owners and developers uh, in Asia actually partnered in creating um, basically this forum um, for their consumers to talk about the products and the stores within that um, you know, that mall. And they, they found a lot of interesting ways to, I guess, approach and reach. Um, and so here in the U.S., you know, we're still a little behind in that, in that regard. And that, I think, is good because it's not putting more pressure on the retailers, right? And the the owners and developers to get their projects ready from a um, infrastructure perspective. But hopefully we're learning from all these things. I agree with you. I mean, it was uh, Alibaba has a grocery store. And one of the things that they did is you can scan like the QR code of that product and then you can see the journey. So you know how fresh that product is and who the farmer is, et cetera, et cetera. But what I loved was it reminded me of Ikea. Like when you go into Ikea and I don't know about you, I'm going there because I'm just so curious about what, what you know, what do they have and their designs, et cetera. I have no goals. Yeah. I'm just there to wander. Yeah. I just wander and walk around, but I, I always get hungry when I go to Ikea and when I go to grocery stores. And so um, if you read, you know, from, you know, the founder of Ikea, one thing he had said was, when people come to Ikea, they always associate that with, it's a very long shopping journey. So what happens? They get really hungry. Hence the reason why he, he put in the restaurant concept. And so when you think about Alibaba and their grocery stores, they did the same thing. I don't know about you. When I go to a grocery store, I'm hungry, but I'm, yeah. I want to buy it all, right? And I'm not ready to make it, but I want to eat something really quick. So I thought it was fascinating how, you know, they also have the restaurant concept attached to their grocery stores. And then again, going back to being innovative, everything, yes, is through a QR code and then it's, you know, just being delivered. And if you stop and think about what they're doing, Whole Foods actually started doing that years ago, right? And in a lot of their locations, they still have that bar, restaurant slash casual component. Although I, I think those are slowly going away oh, are they? now. They're so big in um, Austin. Yeah. I, that's the first one I saw was in Austin. Yeah. I love that location. Yeah. And they had them in the Bay area too. 
But the one thing I always think is missing is that they should have whatever restaurant they have, it should be serving ingredients from Whole Foods. And then with that, it's like, here's your recipe list to make exactly what you just ate. I feel like there's such a big opportunity missing right now. Like, okay, you have your salad bar, you have a random hamburger, but it's not like, well, here's actually how to make the hamburger go to aisle five and grab grab these three ingredients and then you can have what you just had. Oh, I think that's brilliant. Yeah, that is totally brilliant. (laughs) I mean, to to my, your point, it's like, you got to keep the customer engaged at every point of that journey. And that's a post journey experience. I agree with you. I mean, there were some smaller grocers in the central region that were trying to incorporate cooking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you go to the Italy in New York, the first one they had, I think the bottom floor was a kind of a cooking stage and format. Mm -hmm. Oh, there's so many, so many opportunities. opportunities. We will fix all of them, Angie. We just need to start sending out some letters, get on their radar. We can solve all the problems. (laughs) Yes. All right. So to wrap up this interview, I always like to ask, what are you most excited about in the next one to two years? I would say I am most excited about actually seeing um, many of these online concepts expand into brick and mortar. And my hope is that they will take their craft and quality and that really beautiful virtual experience that you have. And as they roll out into uh, brick and mortar and storefronts that they continue that um, from a design and, and aesthetics, because I think it's brilliant to see how they're utilizing space and design um, and that collaboration with the consumer versus someone just coming into a store and, and leaving without even saying a word to to those that are there assisting. Love it. Well, Angie, thanks so much for coming on the show. Where can people find out more about you and what you're up to at Collier's? So to find out more about what we're up to at Collier's, uh, specifically in retail and in any of our other sectors, please join us at colliers.com for more information or at knowledge-leader-colliers.com. And we have all our topics there from, as I mentioned, retail, industrial, supply chain, office, you name it. There's some amazing uh, expertise and topics that you can roll through. Awesome. Thanks, Angie. listeners. Thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you for checking out another epic hour of business insights and inspiration on the Up Next in Commerce podcast. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in partnering with us to bring your brand to a growing audience of e-commerce experts, reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org to get the conversation started.